when I first started F3, uh, I think I posted 75 days in a row. That's right. And then you hurt yourself. Yes. Uh, and I, yeah. I missed it. That's why I didn't see you for so long. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it was my experience with F3 was sort of like a hyperbolic time chamber because I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I was just wanted the fire hose on all the time. Uh, and, and so if, if somebody said in in announcements, Hey, we're doing this happy hour or there's this lunch, I, I was, I was into that too, because, uh, from my perspective, F3 was less of a place where I, you know, they, if you read right in free to lead, they talk about the first F of fitness being the magnet. Um, I, I was already pretty fit. I had uh, started running for a couple of years before I started F3 and lost about 40 pounds. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with one of my good friends, Mike Duffy. We talked about movies. We talked about his podcast. We talked a little bit about law. He's an attorney. We also discussed F3, so it was a fun conversation for me. I think you're really going to love hearing from Mike. Um, As always, please enjoy our conversation. Subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. Getting young presbyopes in progressive lenses can be tough, but it doesn't have to be. Verilux Liberty 3.0 lenses are an introductory solution for emerging presbyopes, and they're available in select ad powers. This lens provides an all-in-one balanced vision solution for an accessible and great first-time progressive lens wearing experience. Learn more about Verilux Liberty 3.0 lenses and get free resources to help start the progressive lens conversation with your young presbyopes at slorepro.com slash Verilux. My patients with macular degeneration want clear and succinct recommendations from me related to products and solutions that can benefit their long-term ocular health and vision. To do this for my patients, I need to be confident that what I'm recommending will have a benefit to them. And that's why my supplement of choice is MacuHealth. MacuHealth is specifically formulated and clinically proven to rebuild and maximize macular pigment over a lifetime. This results in enhanced visual performance and aids in the treatment and prevention of age-related macular degeneration. I've discussed carotenoid absorption on this podcast with Dr. Nolans and Stringham, and MacuHealth uses a patented process called micromycel technology. And this technology is clinically proven to increase carotenoid concentrations at the target tissue and deliver the highest level of bioavailability studied to date. MacuHealth has been great for my patients. We really feel like we have the ability to help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. If you're not utilizing MacuHealth for your patients, check it out for yourself by contacting your MacuHealth representative. We started our podcast during the pandemic, and we did we did a few uh, early episodes with just you know mics from our our computer. And then uh, we quickly got feedback, uh, both uh, while recording the podcast and uh, from our, our few listeners telling us, you got to do something. So that was the first thing. So, I, you know, I, I didn't realize you were doing a podcast, you know, um, until we, well, we discussed it maybe a month ago or two months right. ago, and I didn't realize it. And so then I listened to the first one, Lawless, and then I think yeah. I texted you, you gave it a three out of five? Correct. So I stopped listening at that point. <laughs> so tell me why. So um, I. So to be fair, I think I've only seen it twice, 
And, you know, you would think that if you're going to give like, uh, you know, it was a solid movie. So maybe you guys are rate things. Maybe your rating on things is like you, um, you know, not everything that you liked is going to get a four or five. Maybe you're kind of using a different scale than I would use, but, um, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was a solid four. So, so tell me why you didn't like lawless better than a three. So, uh, I, I tend to evaluate movies, uh, what I call the sort of the, the three-legged stool analysis is the, the writing, the directing, and the, and the acting. And um, with a movie like Lawless, you know, the, the, it's a, such a stellar cast, right? I mean, you've got, you've got Tom Hardy, you've got Jessica Chastain, uh, even uh, Shia LaBeouf is very good in that movie. And so the, the acting was definitely there. Uh, the directing, I think it was... Um, it was directed by a um, a guy that wor- he's an Australian director. He works a lot with Nick Cave. Uh, he's the guy that directed The Road, which is a really great movie with Viggo Mortensen. Um, so and- I haven't seen that one. I've I've looked at it. Maybe I have, or I've only started it. So now I'm gonna have to watch it again. You really like The Road? What did you give it? Four or five? Oh, I give it five stars. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's a uh, and it's it's okay. It's, it's based on a Cormac McCarthy book, uh, which is also a great book. But it's both of both the book and the movie are very very dark. Um, so it's definitely not a feel good movie in any way. Um, but you know the 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 writing, the acting, and the directing are all all there in the road. And, and the thing missing from Lawless, uh, in my opinion, was the fact that the the writing uh, was not there. And I think the way I described it on the podcast was it, it felt to me like it had an identity crisis. Because on the on the on the one hand, it was trying to tell what is a great story, uh, and my my family is actually from uh, that part of Virginia, and I think that I joked on the podcast that um, watching it made me feel like I was looking at old um, you know photo albums of the family, except for instead of uh, bootleggers and moonshiners, my family made apple butter, uh, <laughs> and so uh, it's it's a, it's based on a true story. It's really interesting. I, I applauded the the idea of bringing the Chicago gangland prohibition era to, you know, the, the hills of, of the Appalachian mountains of Virginia, um, and, and doing that and making it an authentic time period piece. But in, in addition to that, it, it tried to, to be too many things at once. It was, it was a love story. It was, it was a period piece. It was uh, an action movie. Um, you know, it was all of these things and it just really couldn't, um, really couldn't crystallize into any kind of good identity where you could really, where I could really get into it. And I'm, our, our, my, I do the podcast with two friends from law school, Matt and Logan, and Matt's take on it, I thought was, was really good. Um, because as, as he was evaluating the movie, he pointed out that this is a uniquely American story in an, in, a, in an American time period. And none of these people are American. Uh, the director is, yeah, an Aussie, I heard that. Yeah. Right. And, and keep so going. no, keep going. Yeah. And, and so the, 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 most of the cast are, you know, from uh, Gary Oldman, you know, um, and you have Guy Pierce and all these guys who are, are not American uh, trying to do this story. And so it, they just didn't, it just didn't hit. And uh, I felt like maybe if you had, um, you know, I'm not sure what the, the, the author is a guy named Ma, uh, Matt Bondurant, and I'm not sure what his role was in the movie, but uh, I think he probably could have brought some authenticity that was maybe missing from that. Interesting. So, all right. Well, I, um, I'm not sure you've convinced me, but I think, you know, when I think back to like the movies I'd want to watch again, 
I think you can make the case, right? Like, I think a lot of times we often want to say, well, that was a really good movie. And then we want to overrate it. And then you go back and sit down and say, I I see it on my feed. Do I want to sit down and and spend the time again? It's like, "Eh, I'll watch something else as opposed to like, for me, it's gross point blank. I've, I've done the podcast uh, with other guys about that. I'll watch that over and over and over. Have you seen it? Oh, absolutely. Many times. Do you agree with me? Oh, it's it's a five star movie, and I, I yeah. the first time I the first time I watched it was fantastic. I remember I think I rented it from Blockbuster when it came out, and then uh, and then I've seen it again maybe in the last year or so, and and thoroughly enjoy it. See different things in it every time. Really, yeah. really great movie. Yeah. Well, so anyway, um, I think that's right. Like then you have to wonder, you have to think about back to yourself. Is like how many times do I will I watch this movie, and if I watch it in ten years. Will it still have the same impact as it had 10 years before that? That's probably the qualities of a good movie. And so maybe I was wrong when I texted you when I, after I listened to your review. (laughs) No, you, you touched on a number of things that come up a lot when we review movies and it's, and I would say it's been an evolving process for us. I think particularly for Logan, because Logan uh, came to be a cinephile later in life. Whereas um, I was more like uh, more like the, the Jim Carrey's character in The Cable Guy, the the bastard <laughs> child of of Claire and Cliff Huxtable, uh, raised by the babysitter. Um, and my my parents were super into movies. They would take me as a kid to go see weird German black and white movies. Right? I mean, so I I just love movies. Um, and but what you touched on was you know rewatchability is one thing. Uh, another thing we talk about is does it hold up? You know, you look at a movie you know from the nineties. Uh, and you think, well, I remember it being great back then. It was great compared to, it was a good example. That was one of the ones we, we reviewed. I still love it, but I, I noticed some cracks in the veneer, you know. Uh, yeah. So usual suspects. Oh, do you? So that's, that's another an one of my favorites one because, too. Um, so that, tell me about the cracks in the veneer of the usual director. suspects. It had, it had great writing and it had stellar acting, right? Um, but the movie, um, was, a lot of that, um, a lot of that movie, the reason why it was good was very, very much happenstance. And so they, uh, as they put it together, they had this idea of, of a lineup and they just kind of built it through there. And a good example of kind of the happenstance of the, of the magic of the, of movie making was that scene uh, where they're doing the lineup, which is like the, the, the ground, the, uh, uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so that, that scene was, was, in, was intended money. to be shot. In a very serious manner, right? <laughs> that was that was the foundational anchor of the of the movie, where we would get to know these characters in a very strong, serious way. But they couldn't keep a straight face, and apparently, one of the things that happened on set was Benicio del Toro it was one of his one of his earlier movies. He could not stop farting, and and the cast was they just and they and so everybody was laughing, and so. In the edit room, Ugh. the the director at the time was frustrated. He's like, this is a really important scene, and I didn't feel like I got a good take. But then after taking a step back and having a little time, he went with the funniest take they had. And and that's where, like, sort of the movie gold was made. And that's that's where you really see this the, the uh, authentic characters come forward. Um, and, the, and everybody delivers the line in the funny way, and they're all hitting each other. And, you know, and they've got the... Uh, a lot of improvisation going on. The 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 guy off camera saying, "Hey, in English, please." You know, none of that's in the script, right? And so, um, you know, the when you when you, that that came together, but not through any intentional design. And so you sort you start to see a little bit of those things, like 
there's that scene where they're in California and they're at the famous pagoda out there and um and they they were trying to go for this like Wizard of Oz um you know sort of one uh sort of this wonderland type dream scene and it just didn't really work very well um and so those are the things you notice the second time around where they say you know they they were going for a different tone and they missed the different things and some things just came together so well mm. uh, that it, that they really held up and were were really nice to go back and see but other things went you know they they sort of those those small cracks sort of turn into big bigger fissures as it as it goes through did you know who um Kaiser Sose was I until did the not. very end. I, I remember did you, pick, did you figure it out when you saw it the first time? time before this day before was at a buddy of mine's house, end. and uh, and and he was allowed to watch R-rated movies, and so uh, we we watched that, and I was blown away, and it was it's still to this day. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a top five reveal. I mean, you know, Sixth Sense, uh, that kind of thing. It's uh, did not see it coming at all. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 absolutely true. It's like, um. There is something about building a movie like that that is so difficult that if they if they wait and it's a cheesy reveal and it doesn't hit, it's just a flop. Or if they or if they expose the the guy too soon, then it's just like I don't care anymore. Or or if they don't develop the characters at the very beginning, like what I think the biggest I'd love to get your reaction to this is when I watch a movie, um, one of the biggest misses, and it seems to be such an easy avoidable um, problem, but is if you start with an action film or a love story or, you know, any kind of the, you know, what I wouldn't know how to classify these things very well, but it's obvious to me when you don't spend at least some, I don't know how much time it is needed, but some time so that I care about the characters and far too often in movies, it's like you get involved and like you, I don't get, I don't care. I don't care if they live or die. I don't care if they're good people or bad people. I don't care if they have something deeper to them. They get right to the story and there's gotta be something there. And what am I picking so up I think on that? Quentin Tarantino um, does this the best that uh, and, exists and that is, he in storytelling right in the beginning in act one, he gets you fully invested in the characters you think about Pulp Fiction, the beginning of that movie is two guys talking in a car, you know, for a few minutes, right? About innocuous things, but you get to know them that way. And then you start to care about who they are uh, and what they're about. And he gives you that hook right away of, of making you care, getting to know them on, in, a, in, a, in a very relatable way. And then, and then the, the story would unfold in Act One. And then so, you know, the, the intention would be by the end of Act One, you're fully invested in the characters. And you have some idea of where the story is going, right? And then Act Two is when you put all the pieces together and all the things start to happen, and uh, and you're you're seeing the characters interact with each other in a storyline that's hopefully entertaining and interesting. Um, and then the hardest thing uh, to, to kind of take a reverse view of what you're talking about is to me is Act Three. Uh, Act Three is is the one I think that movies uh, almost always fail at, and uh, the reveal a bad reveal is a is a bad is an example of a bad Act Three, right? The Usual Suspect has the, one of the best Act Threes of all time, um, but that's where we we call that we call that failure to land on our podcast. We refer to it in that way, and uh, what you're talking about is what I would mm-hmm. call the failure to launch. Um, and one of the movies I think we reviewed uh, that had a failure to launch was Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Uh, directed by Scott Cooper. It's the story of Whitey Bulger. And you, you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. I don't care if he's a good guy or a bad guy. That's, that's a great, um, 
uh, uh, Black Mask really fits well into to what you said because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be a good guy, which is the FBI agent who's 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 based on John Connolly, uh, who actually went to prison, and then the 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 bad guy is Whitey Bulger, but really they're both bad guys, and so. When you, you never really get invested in those characters because the, they're they're so dimension they're so two dimensional, hmm. you know he's they're they're basically just the same you know immoral hmm. uh, you know uh, f- uh, flawed characters ah, uh, that don't really have any redemption and they're one's just involved in a gang and the other one's involved in the FBI and they both just sort of are are selfish and use each other um, and they had this childhood relationship when they were in Boston that uh, you know enabled so much crime there to take place but. Yeah, that was a failure to launch um, right at the beginning because you don't care what happens to either one of them. You just you want the movie to end. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Like you, you can watch those movies and and like you, you're probably analyzing this consciously. I'm I'm sort of analyzing the feelings I get when I watch those movies, where I'm just like, you know, I've got better th- better things to do. You know, I've got nine kids. I could be doing something else, and you know, uh, so. Yeah, I, I like I like the terms that you use because it they're very descriptive. And I don't know if you've if you've created all those yourselves or that's kind of a common movie reviewer scenario. But I'm like you. I'm like you in the sense of I grew up. My dad loved to watch movies, and I would watch movies with my dad all the time. So uh, we wouldn't go to black and white French films, but um, we weren't from Virginia either. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we did um, we did so same thing like we would just consume movies. We just watch them all the time. My kids don't really like movies. I don't know if it's the time, you know, if it's the culture right now. Um, my son, my son, who's 15. So you've met him Diablo. Um, so he, uh, or Lincoln, uh, he is, um, it's funny to me because there's like three or four movies recently where he's wanted to watch. Like he watched the whole Rocky series and he watched another show and he came home and he watched it with his buddies and he's like, that's a great show. And I was like, Lincoln, we, I, t- I wanted to watch this with you, you know, like I, I wanted to watch it and you wouldn't, wouldn't watch it with me. And so I think he's starting to see some of that. So like the other weekend he, we watched Rocky three, which I didn't, I forgot all, I knew that, uh, Apollo Creed died, but I thought he died in Rocky three, not in Rocky four. But anyway, um, so I, I almost ruined Rocky four for him because I was like, did Creed die yet? <laughs> and then he, you know, uh, so, um, or I said, no, did he die? I said, did he die earlier in the movie? I didn't say yet. I said earlier in the movie. So I didn't completely ruin, uh, Rocky four for him. But, um, so I, my, I can't get my kids to sit down and watch some of these classics with me, um, yet, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing Lincoln sort of shift a bit, but, but I am not like you in that. Um, I, you know, I'm more like the less than 2000 guys where, you know, maybe you get to um, the last movie that I thought really was like super impactful that I would say is a top three or top, you know, like a five-star movie where I've watched over and over and over again was dark Knight, And that film to me was just like phenomenal. Since then I've seen some good movies. Uh, you know, I like the gentleman a lot. I thought it was a great movie recently. Um, uh, but you know, I haven't been, um, yeah, I just haven't kept up with movies really for whatever reason, and you've sort of still done that. Yeah, and uh, but I would I would certainly agree with you that uh, movie quality has gone way down. Uh, one of one of the the, the the podcasts we don't just review a movie; we do a movie, an actor, and a year. And then when we when we pick the year, it's uh, we 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 just look at 
who was the best picture winner that year, who were the nominees, what was going on in, in that year in film. And, and so that has, we have gone all the way back and done, you know, uh, years where, um, you know, um, the Citizen Kane was nominated and didn't win and lost to How Green Was My Valley, which is like one of the worst movies in my opinion ever made. <laughs> Um, and, and, and gone up, uh, you know, up to, up to recent times and our sort of, um, takeaway, the three of us have, which, you know, to get lawyer, three lawyers to agree on anything is unusual, but we have come away with the fact that the 1970s is really the best decade of filmmaking. Hmm. Um, and that there, they were just almost every movie, you know, if, if you look at, I think it's 1974 where the year of the Godfather part two came out. Um, the, the nominees that year were, uh, Godfather part two directed by Francis Ford Coppola, the conversation also directed by Francis Ford Coppola and Chinatown directed by Roman Polanski. And then I think, uh, I think Lenny, which is the Dustin Hoffman movie about Lenny Bruce, and then a very terrible movie called the towering Inferno, which is like one of the first disaster movies. It's about a, it's about a building that catches on fire. Um, and it's, it, I don't know why it's there, but, uh, but <laughs> You look at that and it's like, I mean, Chinatown and The Godfather Part Two are not just two five-star movies. They're, they're probably in the top 10 of greatest movies of all time. And they came out in the same year. And then if you look at, you know, Godfather Part One was a few years before. You look at Jaws, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You look at all these great movies in the 1970s. And then, you know, it, it's, it's unusual to us when we, when we look around and see other years that don't even come close. I mean, I think maybe 94 was, I think we decided had come close with that's the year Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, uh, both came out. Um, and so there are some years where you have that, but, um, if you, now they're making a lot fewer movies back then too. And so I think that they just weren't churning and burning them, uh, like they were these, uh, you know, nowadays and, 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 you know, film cost a lot more money than shooting on digital. Right. So there was there was an effort to really make sure you had a good quality script uh, that it was well cast. You spent a lot of time with that. Um, Apocalypse Now came out in the 70s. I'm just thinking of those movies. But, um, yeah, I think that they've gone down. And and, uh, I think we I think we have a consensus on the show that a lot of that has to do with the fact that the superhero movies, particularly the Marvel movies, have soaked up all of the money uh, that would ordinarily go to putting in good quality products. And you have the streaming phenomenon, uh, which has also moved what would I would call the traditional uh, Oscar-nominated, you know, dramas, really good movies, uh, to be you know, they're not blockbusters, right? People go to see uh, action movies, um, they see su- superhero movies and horror movies, scary movies in theaters, and mm. pretty much everything else is not going to to be successful in the box office the way it used to. So. It's uh, I think it's a multitude of different things uh, that has come together to reduce the quality of movies now. Do you think there's anything to do with the fact that, you know, um, actors in Hollywood are so disconnected from sort of the, the average person that people don't care as much anymore or they get or or in the past they might have had really uh, wild beliefs in the seventies as actors, just as they do today. Um, but they had no platform to articulate them or they were smart enough to know that there was no advantage in articulating them because they were, they're actors and all people care about is what they do on screen. Is there any component to that? Like, like now you, you listen to people and they'll put something out on, on social media and you're like, 
ugh, I, I don't even want to watch what you have to say. Like, like even from a music standpoint, I'm a, I'm a, you know, if anybody listens to me, I, they, they know I like independent hip hop, hip hop that you probably wouldn't know about from, uh, the radio. Um, and you know, you sort of dig through the crates at the antiquarium downtown Omaha, uh, when I was growing up that you'd find stuff. And, um, but once I started listening, like I'd go to these concerts of some of these guys that I, I would love to listen to. And then they would start spouting off things. And I just like, oh, oh, like, I don't even like, I'm just, I can't, I, I got to plug my ears. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy your music anymore. So what do you think about that? So it's, it's interesting because, you know, when th- this has been, that's been sort of the interesting part of doing the, the actor segment is, you know, we, uh, I think we, re- we recently looked at, at Willem Dafoe in our, 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 our latest uh, episode. And, you know, if you look at that guy's career, that guy is a, he's just a through and through actor. I mean, he, he's a theater guy. He, um, you know, he's described himself as, as the, as the painting, as, as the paint uh, for the canvas for the director to use. Hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't have a big ego. He's a real humble guy from the Midwest. And then you compare that with somebody that we also reviewed like Tom Cruise, which is, you know, I mean, he, he's totally, he's the, he's the opposite, right? You know, um, uh, and, but he had this period of time where he was, you could tell he was really going for the Oscar. You know, he had, I think he was nominated for Jerry Maguire, born on the 4th of July and um, Magnolia, I think. Um, and he, he never won. And then it was almost like he got frustrated with that around the same time uh, that sort of the he was jumping up and down on the couch uh, with Oprah and all the Scientology stuff starts coming out. And he kind of gets, you know, um, uh, you know, his career shifts uh, into this. And, and a lot of it had to do with just his personal life being exposed. Mm. And, and it really just changed the way that that uh, directors saw him, studios saw him. And so he ends up being this, you know, this, this action star, um, that he's still doing. And I think the guy may be 60 now. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, and he's still, I think he might still be, I think he's still doing mission Impossible movies and reacher movies, which is absurd. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's Charles Bronson stuff. Um, and when, and so when you, when we've looked at those actors and, and thought about all those different things, do they see it as a craft? Do they see it as a celebrity way to make money? And then, and then, you know, what kind of public persona do they keep? I mean, did they move to Hollywood and, you know, become part of the scene there? Are they like Harrison Ford, who's lived in Jackson Hole, Wyoming since the 70s? You know, um, Willem Dafoe, I think, is in New York City and then spends half the year in Rome. Hmm. So I, I think there is a component to that, to what you're saying, uh, not only to how the audience sees them and how the the business of of making movies sees them, but also just whether they see acting as a, as a real craft that they try to, to do for the, for the love of it, for the, for the enjoyment of it, or whether they're like, you know, Matthew McConaughey is a good example of this because he had this career of just doing rom-coms. And all of a sudden he said, I don't want to do rom-coms anymore. I want to do serious movies. And they're like, but you're Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) You're the rom-com guy. And, you know, and he, he stuck to his guns and turned down a lot of roles and didn't make a lot of money for a while. And he won the Academy Award for Best Actor, you know, for Dallas Buyers Club. And so um, there are all those kinds of things that go into exactly what you're talking about, which is this this public persona, which I think, generally speaking, goes a lot to how they, they themselves view acting. Is it a profession or is it a celebrity? Is it some way to make money?
The most common questions I get include, what ophthalmological codes or evaluation and management codes should I use? What ICD-10 codes do I need to bill with this CPT code? What CPT codes can be billed together and what can't? And my favorite, how do I manage a patient who has diabetes who comes in for a quote-unquote routine eye exam? These questions really highlight the confusion and uncertainty that serves as a daunting hurdle for providers, makes it more challenging for them to care for their patients, and provide those patients with the best opportunity for a lifetime of ocular health and clear vision. That's why we built iCode Education, for this specific purpose. Our mission is to provide optometrists with resources to help you understand disease states, revenue cycles, and billing and coding so that you can put that on autopilot and truly care for your patients. Check out iCodeEducation.com. That's E-Y-E-C-O-D-E Education.com. We've developed a premier billing and coding bundle that includes all of our billing and coding resources in one place. We also have a 10% discount code just for listeners of this podcast. Enter the coupon code E-Y-E-C-O-D-E-M-E-D-I-A-22 at checkout. We'd love to work with you. Check out iCodeEducation.com. Emerging presbyopes and emetropic presbyopes can be tricky. These patients want and need additional help at near, but they can be resistant to solutions that create even mild distance blur. The MyDay multifocal lens has been great for our presbyopic patients. It allows those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily and more comfortably. And we've had this lens for long enough now that we have been able to see the simple and how simple the adaptation can be when adjusting from lower ad designs to higher ad designs. When prescribing MyDay contact lenses, you can feel confident about your environmental impact because for every MyDay contact lens sold in the United States, CooperVision's partner, Plastic Blank, collects and converts an equal amount of ocean-bound plastic through their global network. MyDay multifocal contact lenses will provide your patients with a great quality of vision and comfortable lens wearing experience, all while making a difference in our environment. So if you haven't started utilizing MyDay Multifocal in your practice, I'd encourage you to reach out to your CooperVision representative to get started. You know, it's it. I think there, that it could be easy to fall into these scenarios, right? In certain in certain areas, like especially if you um, if you speak a lot, and I and I I'm I'm probably at risk of this as well. In myself, is you know, are you going to put in the work? to, to create new stuff, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I, I always try to, you know, I try to be aware of, like, are you believing, are you believing what people are telling, telling you about yourself? And you probably shouldn't believe all of it. And maybe you shouldn't believe most of it. Uh, because what got you there in the first place is like, you know, there is something that got you there and it wasn't, it wasn't a persona that you've developed. It's, it's okay. Well, you're going to sit down and do the research. You're going to sit down and do the the hard work about writing and reading and, um, and explaining. And, um, and I, I totally catch myself, uh, sort of in, I, I catch my tendency to like, okay, I can just show up. I can show up and, and I've done this so many times that it's, and then, as soon as I start feeling that, right, as soon as I start getting that sense, it's like, no, you better sit down and do the work. And, um, and I think F3, so I'm going to kind of transition this conversation because I think that's a good point to, to do that on is I think that that applies to F3. Like one of the things I, that I'd love to, to kind of go into with you is 
Um, do you remember our first, like, what is your first memory of the conversation you and I had? Do you remember the first, like, I have a distinct memory. I'm not sure it was our first conversation, but it was the first time I, I remember thinking about, like, if I think back to when did I meet Mike Duffy and, and like build some sort of connection, um, what was our conversation about? Do you remember that? So or what was your um, memory of it? My, my recollection, um, is that you run really fast <laughs> and, <laughs> and that you're a difficult guy to keep up with. Um, but that, um, I remember, uh, pushing myself to run faster so I could keep up with you cause I was enjoying the conversation. Um, and, um, and I, I, what I remember is you and I were talking about F3 and, uh, that, uh, as far as ma- male relationships and men's groups and how, um, I think I, I think I talked about how there, there used to be all these men's groups where, you know, whether it was Knights of Columbus or, you know, these, uh, these groups that would bring men together that would or bowling leagues, whatever it was. Um, and that all of those things have sort of fallen by the wayside. And so F3 is kind of like this modern thing that brings us together early in the morning when we don't have family or work responsibilities and we can just get together with other guys and, and, and push each other to, work hard and work out and, um, and, and really, really get to know one each other, know one another and find out that we have all these things in common. And that's what I remember about our discussion was, I think it was maybe on a pre-run or on some kind of string of pearls run. Yeah. I uh, think it, we had that. Yeah. It could have been a string of pearls. I, but I, so yeah, I, the, the, the thought, the, the reason that made me think of our, our last conversation about that was that, um, you know, you and I, I think for a number of months, had a lot of those types of opportunities. And then, you know, what I see and what's really cool is when you start seeing these guys that you build these really like seemingly very close relationships with, but they have, they start, they're not phoning it in, right? Like they take it to the next level. And so for you, that was, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, I've, I've, you start to get a little comfortable, right? So like you get comfortable, Hey, I'm going to go to this site. I'm going to see Mike. Uh, and we're going to probably have a pre-run and we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, or, you know, um, uh, we're, I'm going to see Brandon or I'm going to see Matt. Um, and so, uh, they're going to be there and, uh, then it becomes easy and then you get in this comfort zone. And what, um, what is always cool for me to see is that like, that's awesome. Super awesome. But then where did Gator go? for the last year. Oh, he's been pushing the limits. So he's not phoning it in. He's establishing a new site for guys to come work out at. And, and that's basically what happened. I mean, so I think you and I started, so I'm coming up on my three year. Were you like a couple months after me or like a year after me? So I was, I was April of 21. Okay. So about six months. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then within six months you, you had started the armory, right? Right. That's pretty unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, my, when I first started F3, uh, I think I posted 75 days in a row. That's right. And then you hurt yourself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's I, why I, I didn't see it. you for so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it, yeah, I mean, I, it was my experience with F3 was sort of like a hyperbolic time chamber because I just, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, I was just wanted the fire hose on all the time. Uh, and, and so if, if somebody said in, in announcements, Hey, we're doing this happy hour or there's this lunch, I, I was, I was into that too, because, 
uh, from my perspective, F3 was less of a place where I, you know, they, if you read, write in free to lead, they talk about the first F of fitness being the magnet. Um, I, I was already pretty fit. I had, uh, started running for a couple of years before I started F3 and lost about 40 pounds. Um, but mm. I was doing all that by see those myself. Pictures. I want to see those pictures before you started running. No, you don't. Yeah, uh, I do. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I think I talked about it on plagues podcast, referred to myself as fat gator. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I, I went for the second F because I, I had tried a case. Who brought you in? Who brought you? It, oh. it was Toadstool. Oh, it was he toad did. Stool. <laughs> yeah. And so he and I, he, he was a defense attorney and I was a prosecutor at the time. And we were trying this case together. We were, uh, sitting in a, in a room outside the court, the, the courthouse waiting for his client to decide whether he was going to testify. And so we're just sort of shooting the breeze. And, and I had got to know him. Um, we, it was our first trial together, but I'd gotten to know him just cause he was sort of a regular fixture at the courthouse. And, and he just said, you should come to my workout group. And he said, it's, it's F3 fitness fellowship and faith. We meet at, you know, five 30 in the morning. And I said, great. I already get up at four to go run. So sounds great. Uh, I didn't ask any questions. I didn't do any research. He didn't have to do any more uh, EHing than just invite me because I'd lived in Omaha for, I guess it would have been a few years and really hadn't, you know, uh, uh, a prosecutor's job can be kind of lonely. Um, it's not, not a great way to, 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 to meet people. Uh, the people I meet um, don't, if they're attorneys, they don't usually like me. So the fact that an attorney <laughs> invited me out uh, to go do something social I was in. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm an, I'm an extrovert and I, I like to be around people and, and was looking for, uh, an, an outlet to make friends. And so I showed up there and, um, and somebody said, Hey, Toadstool. And I knew him as Sean. And he just looked at me and says, Toadstool is my nickname. You'll get a nickname too. Um, and so, um, and then, you know, from that point on, I posted every day and, um, would, was just, and, and now, you know, my best friends are in F3 and it's, uh, it's been this, the second F was why I came out. Uh, and stayed was was to to do that, and it's been it's such a phenomenal group of guys that you really do get to know on a on a very different level. That's you know it's it's unusual you know in your late thirties, early forties to to be able to make really good quality friendships like that with other guys. Yeah, I mean we, I've talked about it on this podcast before. You and I have talked about it a number of times, but it's um yeah, I mean it's the same thing. Men men don't have men friends. Uh, and you know, uh, or rarely do they, and for all the reasons listed, listed and free to lead. Um, and, uh, what I think is like, I kind of went on tour a little bit this summer and, um, and so, because, you know, with, um, when we're out at the lake, it's way farther from where we would normally be. And so I, I've sort of extended some of those, uh, areas and now like even some of my, you know, my shield lock that everybody, you know, everybody talks about their shield lock. Um, you know, those guys are kind of transitioning way more North. So even further away from me. And so it gives me like this morning I was, I was out at the berm, which was like, well, actually a couple of weeks ago I, I had, so I had asked, um, I was putting together a week of cataracts and, um, oh, okay. back in yeah. May and I had just, I don't know what, what got into me. I just. I was kind of like, I haven't queued in a while and maybe I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just put together five days in a row. And so I did. Uh, and so one of the places I wanted to go to was battlefield. And so battlefield before the berm was available, battlefield was my Thursday spot. 
and I was always there. And, um, and so, uh, so I have maybe been to battlefield since, you know, once every six months or three months, something like that. And I still really like it. But, um, so they couldn't get me on the, the, the schedule in May, but he goes, well, I got a, I got an opening in August. Do you want it? I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And so, um, I go back to battlefield and it had been probably six months since I had been there and it was the winter time. And like, I knew, I mean, I recognized Tenderfoot and Da Vinci right. and everybody else was new. I mean, new to me, new to me. Um, and, uh, and I was like, wow, this is, it's kind of crazy. And then this morning, the same thing happened. I haven't been to, to the berm in, um, most of the summer because Thursdays I'll either be traveling or I'll be, um, yeah, mostly that's what's been happening or we'll be at the lake. Um, and so I'm, you, I'm picking different sites for the last two months, uh, that are either in Gretna or, um, or I won't work out on a Thursday, you know, with, with F3, I'll, I'll just do something on my own, which in and of itself has been a challenge this summer for me because of all those same reasons. And I come back to the berm and there's Birdman and you know, there's, there's more because I haven't been away from the berm that long, but, but, um, there's maybe five guys that I like, I really know these guys. And then there's all these other new guys. And, um, have you been, have you made a conscious effort? So one of the things that can happen, I think, is you get in a long enough and then you get in with, uh, the same group of guys and it's hard to build some of these really firm, like, oh, this guy, now I got another close relationship. You seem to have done that really well. I, I say that I would say that Bouncer, that has occurred from Bouncer for sure. And it's not my doing, it's Bouncer's doing. He, he like, you know, he reached out to me. He kept, you know, kind of, and I was like, this guy's a good guy, you know, and let, let me, let me, uh, you know, so then I engage more with him. That's not my doing for sure. It was, it was Bouncer being, being the, the kind of guy that he is. Um, you know, uh, but anyway, I find that it, it, it can be easy to get sucked in as opposed to pushing your limits. Um, what do you do about that? It's, it's so it's, it's really interesting because I, I, I was a, uh, red wings, wild kingdom, top rope, maze, combine every day. Slayer. You've got your places. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and, Me too. and, and, and never changed. I mean, for, uh, months and that was all I ever did. And, you know, if I went to another site, it was because somebody was having a VQ or, you know, anniversary or, or flag pass or something like that. But you, you get in this, in this rhythm and then, and, and everybody else, especially if they're guys that, you know, kind of started around the same time you did, uh, or, you know, or if you get into pre-running and then you're, you, you don't want to pre-run by yourself. So you're always texting, Hey, where are you going to pre-run? You can pretty much depend on seeing those guys at the, at the same sites. And, um, you know, I, I did that for a really long time. And, you know, at some point, you know, I started to make friendships with, um, you know, guys who were site queues at other sites. And so then they would say, you know, Hey, would you come queue here? Um, so I remember, you know, pantyhose, uh, had asked me to, to queue, uh, the helix, um, but I'd never been there. And, um, you know, the wild kingdom was, was, was my Tuesday site. Yeah. And so, um, so I remember thinking, well, I, I got to go to the helix. And, uh, and so then, you know, you go and you check it out and then you queue there and then you, you find yourself coming back, uh, and breaking it up. And then you, you start to, to meet other guys that are posting elsewhere and, uh, you do different things. And so for me that happened, it was not, it was not a conscious effort to not 
go not to to break that up. I think I think I, I wish I would have been. I think I would have enjoyed you know, meeting more people early on instead of just having this you know small group of guys. Um, because uh, you're you're absolutely right. If you if you leave a site or don't post to a site, and uh, you know time goes by, the whole cast of characters changes. Um, and then you've then and then if you start posting there, then it just takes a little while to get to know those guys, and then they become just like everybody else. But this this idea that um, you know of we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a great site that everybody's gonna love going to, and then it's gonna get so big that we're gonna have to starfish expansion, right? Break the leg off, start it somewhere else. I remember reading that free delete. I said that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> Because everybody's gonna, everybody loves this site, and they love seeing these people, and they're not going to want to change. And so that's never going to work. And amazingly enough, it works to the tune of, I mean, we've got, what, 60 workouts in F3 Omaha now? Yeah. Uh, I, we've got to be, I still say we've got to be the most vibrant place in F3 in all of the country. We have to be. Yeah. Every yeah, place I've you, been downrange, we, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. Right. I mean, the... Uh, the um, the guys and then the guys who have come downrange and have posted in F three Omaha, they're they're I, I, when I whenever I talk to them, they say the same thing. It's just like this isn't how we do this, and this is amazing. You guys have so many sites, and um, and you know the the you would think the bigger we would get, we would lose that camaraderie. But maintaining the mission of small workout groups for the reinvigoration of male community leadership um, is one of those things that that keeps us going and and keeps everything. Um, you know, fresh and, and new. And, um, and we just, were constantly giving it away. And that's, and that's what I love about it. It's, it's really interesting because it's, it's probably the one place, um, you know, again, I, I don't, I, it, it reminds me, it's a very clear example of the fact that, um, you, we are all very, like, we're all very important individually. Um, but, Look, the, F3 does not need Chris Wolf. F3 does not need Mike Duffy, right? Like, I, 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 when, I make that point not to minimize Mike Duffy. Not to, I, they don't need pantyhose, and they don't need to, you know, Tater Tot, right? Tater Tot did a fan. I mean, he's, he's clearly doing an amazing job, right, at what he's doing. Right. But we don't need him. Like, I mean... I, I I'm not saying that to belittle him. What I'm saying is that like you leave a place, and that place, if you've done it right, is going to cont- yeah. it's going to per- be perpetual. And that's the that's kind of the really interesting part about it all is like um, some ideas are just so solid in their foundation that they that if you adhere to those ideas and you and you adhere to the the principles, it's like it's like being Catholic or being Christian, right? Like those ideas are so solid, um, and I'm not, I'm calling them ideas, but obviously, like that faith is so solid. It's it's such a like if you adhere to those principles, they're timeless, and and they don't rely on one. Like obviously, Jesus Christ, it it, it relies on Jesus Christ, right? That's the foundational principle, and the foundational being uh, of it um, to spread those ideas. But but the ideas, like even when you move away from uh, so, so then you get beyond that. So we're talking about F3, you get beyond that initial idea of F3 and it's so foundationally solid. Like the idea of like, why would we, why would we break up this entire group of guys that's really good and move them, you know, into a, someplace else? Why would we do that? And yet it, 
if you adhere to it, it works. And I think where other people, like where, where other, when, when I've been downrange, when you don't feel the same way, it's they haven't adhered to the principles. They won't exactly. read the five core principles. They won't say them at the beginning. They won't have the mission statement. They won't talk about the credo. And so you're just sort of there at, for a workout. And there's just no higher right. purpose. Um, it, would be like, it would be like if you just talked about the principles of, of, you know, that, that Jesus taught without the other kind of the, the more fundamental foundational like crux of what you're doing there. They would just be great, good ideas, but what, what are we really doing, you know? What are we really right. worshiping here? Like, oh, it's just a, you know, we're being kind and we can be kind, kind is good. And, but, but no, it's like, no, there's a lot more there. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You know, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And I think the part that you hit on with saying, if you do it the right way, if you lay that foundation, um, and those are the things that, you know, if, if, if you're a new guy and you show up to a site and you hear, you know, we leave no man behind and leave no man where we found him. We pick up the six. And if, and if you're the six and you see guys, you know, uh, like when I started the Murph and couldn't do the Murph very well, FDIC always came back and mm-hmm. picked up the six and ran with me. He's still so and good at that. Right. It, it's, and I, I just appreciate that so much about him. And, and there are so many others like him that are, are disciplined about remembering, Hey, I know I'm here with my best friends, but there's also people that I want to you know be able to inculcate in this culture and, and so that they can then understand it, be a part of it, and then pay it forward. And that's, and that's what I realize is that, you know, if somebody picks up the six for you constantly, um, and then eventually you stay at it and you don't, you don't need that, you can keep up, then, then that's when you realize, oh, I need to do this for the, for the next new guy. And as long as that, you know, that's just one example of one thing that we do that makes, that continues to have our, our culture, um, you know, like you say, if, if, if one of us goes away, like when I used to say it, when I worked in government, I was like, Hey, nobody's going to remember me in this place. As soon as I leave, they're going to vacuum the rug and carpet. And then they'll never know I was there. You know, they'll just put somebody else in. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that's, I think that's true. But if, if the ideas are solid and you have intentionally laid the groundwork to have that, you know, a lot of, a lot of places, they don't do coffee afterward. I, you know, to me, I, I remember my second post was at the coop when it launched and my partner that day was wait time. I had no idea who he was or what his role was in F3 Had no idea about that. Um, but he, he's the one that mentioned cafeteria to me for the first time and said, that's where you really get to know guys. And I said, well, I'm in then, you know, that's, that sounds great. Um, and so, you know, seeing that every site has been able to do these pre-runs and MRFs and then have these B towns that new guys get, you know, uh, oriented in and, and, and have the same experience, that the other, that, that the older guys had. And then they have the, the cafeteria that brings it all together. And you, you start, if you get guys that are con that are consistently posting with those guys doing those things, you're right. That just, that just continues to go on and on. Um, because, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a call. Uh, it's, it's the game of telephone that if you, if you say the message right clearly and enunciate it and, and repeat it, then the next person's going to remember it and tell the next person and it just catches on. And, it, yeah. and it's just, it's this great, it's this great thing that came up. And um, I, I just think it's, I just think it's such a, a great revelation of how men in the modern age can relate to each other and, uh, and, and better themselves at the same time. 
Well, and I think it's also, I'd like to see your, your ideas about how to apply this to our, our, you know, everyday businesses, right? So now you're, you, you did remove yourself from government. They did vacuum the carpets. They did put another name tag on the door and now you're someplace else. But how do you, um, you know, how do you translate that into one? I, uh, I am not like, I am, I am an important part of this to individuals, but this thing, um, is much bigger than me and how, like, I, I, I think about this like a, probably a lot, like there's a lot of places in my life where I'm needed for sure. Um, and, uh, this one, I mean, and I, there's a lot of things that like those same things are kind of mutually. I need that too, right? My family, I need them. They need me. But like, really when you, when it boils down to it, there's something nice. There's something interesting about the fact that like, no, I really need F3 uh, it doesn't need me, you know, it, it doesn't. And, um, and, and just the idea of like, like you said, like, well, wait time. He, he's the guy that brought it to Omaha, but at some point he would have been able to walk away and it wait time. People would be a guy that people would say, yeah, I remember wait time. He was a really good guy. He, he kind of got us all together. And, uh, but I don't know what, I don't know what's happened to him. You know, like, and, and there's something beautiful about that. I mean, it, it's sad. I mean, if you're, if you have an ego, it's sad, but there's something really beautiful about that. Yeah. There's, it's, it's this idea that, um, you know, you can, you can have an effect on the people around you and, and you can, you, you can lead in your community and you can, um, uh, you can inspire others and be inspired by others. And then you can move on to a whole new set of people and you can you can continue to try to have those same uh, effects and be affected in that way as well. And uh, you know, I think that's that's probably you know the the part of the Q source about legacy, you know, and thinking about what what you want to leave behind and how what, what's what's the message you want to leave with people about you and the way you lived your life and and how you cared about people and did you lift others up. Um, and, uh, and were they, were, you know, were, were you the type of person that was willing to accept their help when you needed it? Um, and those are the things I think that come together that, um, it really, as long as you have those fundamental things, it doesn't really matter who's around and it doesn't matter the circumstances, whether it's in your, whether it's at a, a workout or in your family or at, uh, you know, uh, at your, at your work, um, those things, uh, can be, uh, can be a, a system where it, it continues to attract and bring out the best in people. Um, and, and, uh, I, I think, I, I think Sparty was the first person I ever heard, uh, explain this to me that the, the jerks don't stick around. Hmm. Um, and, and, and that to me, cause I'm, I'm, uh, I, you know, dealing with a lot of criminals for over a decade just makes me, I see a lot of the, the worst in people. And so I'm thinking, how has this thing not been corrupted by, jerks, you know, because, uh, if, if the jerks out, outnumber the nice guys, then it, it's, it's going to go away. And, you know, a jerk shows up post maybe once, twice, I've, I've seen a few times and then they lose interest because they realize this is not the place for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not because they were ever rejected or told they were a jerk. It was just, they, you know, their way of treating people was not consistent with the way others were treating people. And so it, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to be a fit for them. So they just moved on. Um, and so I think that speaks to the, just the, the goodness of, of what it is that we do, that we bring out the best in people, uh, and we teach people to be less selfish and to think about, 
uh, more something more than themselves and their community. And that, that to me is like the third F is, yeah. is, you know, um, is, are you, are you caring about something that's more important, uh, uh, than, than just what you're, what you're worried about and, and realizing that solving your own problems is not nearly as fulfilling as helping somebody with her, with theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the best way to, the best place to stop for now, Gator. So I can be respectful of your time, but yeah, the third F stuff is, um, I need, I, I have, it's a, it's a bad excuse, but it is my excuse is that every time something comes up like this, we've got a, an activity or something with our family going on, but that is something I need to lean more into. Um, we do, we do some, but yeah, no, it's just a, it's, I don't have any good excuses, but that's the the whole goal, right? Is, is being able to do more stuff within the community and there, I can certainly do more in, our, in my community. And I think you're a testament to, um, the guys that have had an influence on me in F3. And, uh, I've, I've been blessed to, to get to know you over the, over the couple years. And, and, uh, and I feel like, um, anytime I get to see you, it's uh, always a blessing for that day. And especially if we get to, to hang out for an extra half hour on a pre-run. So we got to finish this like we would always finish, uh, something Mike. So it's weird to call you Mike, but, um, I'll, uh, I'll start it off. So Christopher Wolf, 42 cataracts, cataracts, Mike Duffy, 40 gator, gator chomp. Thanks for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, also, where can people find your podcast? Oh, so uh, so it's called In Camera Review Podcast. Um, you can find it on Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, uh, pretty much anywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, it's lawyers talking about movies. Thanks so much and, for having me on. I really appreciate you're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been fun. 